Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Pure Nintendo podcast. My name is Gemma, and this is your weekly dose of all things Nintendo. Joining me this week, I have two of my very good Pure Nintendo colleagues and friends. I have Trev. Welcome back, Trev. Hi, mates. What's the good word? <laughs> the good word is packs, 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 packs. <laughs> Repeated many times. Uh, and I also have Kirk. Welcome back, Kirk. Hey, uh, well, you're the one we should welcome back because you're now home from PAX. I am. Yes, yes. Just got back last night. So PAX is all done and dusted. It was just on in Melbourne over the weekend from the, what was it, the 6th till the 8th of October, my first convention. So we'll definitely be talking about that during the episode. In fact, we'll start with that um, before we move on to a few other games that we want to highlight this week. But yes, PAX has just wrapped up. And wow, what can I say? It was fantastic. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, my first convention, like I said, so I kind of didn't know what to expect. We kind of touched on this last week, like, you know, pre-PAX lead up. But yeah, this week now I can say I've been to a convention. I've I've seen Nintendo games like and Nintendo people and indie devs and all the rest. Um, it was just fantastic. So many people walking around in costumes and um, just so much fun. There's like a really good vibe there. And I'd love to know, have you either of you been to a PAX in the States at all? I have not. I've I've just been to E3, um, and mm-hmm. I think it's funny that you mentioned all the people in costume because, um, and Trev, you may be able to back me up on this, but there weren't people in costumes for the most part at E3, uh, aside from any models that might have been uh, uh, hired nice. to work the booths. There mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of cosplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not as much at E3. I have been to, to PAX East, and I feel like I saw a little bit more there because... I feel like PAX is more for, uh, uh, you know, for everyone, fans and mm. and media alike. Whereas E3 is still primarily more media focused, so maybe that's why. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, because this is there's a cosplay section to PAX, like a competition. There's uh, tabletop games. There's yeah. There's kind of like the whole <laughs> the whole gamut. Uh, it's yeah. It's really good. It's huge though. I mean, I'm sure E3 is just as big, but oh my gosh, so much walking involved. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you're not kidding. My my feet were first come in. I went to PAX prior to E3 and yeah, it wiped me out. I was only there for two of the three days. And, mm-hmm. uh, Kirk, yeah. you thought I was bad at E3. You should have seen me out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I started off uh, Friday morning. There was a special media hour, so... The first hour uh, from 9 a.m. till 10 a.m. was just media people, like with media passes. So you kind of have run of the floor and it was bliss <laughs> because it was so quiet. Um, and I just went straight in with this big smile on my face, this big goofy smile, straight to Nintendo stand, <laughs> straight to Mario Wonder, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, of course, and uh, tried that. That was the first thing I did. I just had to. There was no, <laughs> no alternative for me. <laughs> Starting <laughs> off with a bang then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've written up a piece on the website, which uh, listeners can check out as well. But I did a, a hands-on impression because I, I played it three times at, at PAX. I went back a few times over the weekend, once with my kids because they came on the Saturday. So we got to play together and that was so fun, so much fun. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to read the the article yet, but yeah, I went through some of the characters, some of the badges that you can try. There's about five levels in the demo. It's a 15-minute demo, so playing it three times i played for about 45 minutes all up you were gonna say something trev yeah i wanted to ask you about something i read and mm. maybe it's worth elaborating but you you mentioned about characters not having like hit detection yeah you don't bump into each other anymore 
So which is, <laughs> I read that and that just strikes me as odd. Like it, it is kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, do, it was a bit, do you know if that was set up just for the demo or is this like a, like a final build or. I think it's the final build from what I gathered. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I don't know if there's a badge that might turn that on or off or something or a setting, but in the demo, at least no hit oh. detection. Yeah. It's, it was so weird. And that's the, literally the first thing I noticed because I was playing with someone from Nintendo, you know, because it's a multiplayer game and I could have just played by myself, but the guy's like, hey, do you want me to play with you? I'm like, yes, please. Um, so I can talk to him about it and also just have someone, you know, to play with. So he was, um, I think he was Luigi and I was Daisy. And straight away I'm like, hey, I'm not, I'm not bumping into you. <laughs> What's going on? Um, yeah, very obvious difference to previous Mario uh, multiplayer games. Obviously the new Mario Brothers series that we've, played on the Wii and the Wii U yeah very very big difference and I'm like in my article I said it's sort of you know for better or for worse because uh you know when I play with my kids we often use that as a bit of a, a mechanic or a leverage to reach higher ground sometimes yeah. like how do we get up there oh let's jump off each other's heads <laughs> can't but do that anymore questions the rep Gemma were they were they like kind of cagey on it or did they acknowledge it or they acknowledged it so that's why I think it was uh part of the game but they were generally pretty cagey they were just like we we can't talk about anything that's not in the demo so okay. <laughs> like i have so many questions yeah so i feel like it's that's it that's what that's what my impression was um there may yeah I, I had a feeling maybe there's a badge that could switch that on or off or there might be a setting or something but mm. who knows until we get the final game we won't know for sure but yeah it was definitely very obvious to someone who's played a lot of mario multiplayer co-op yeah very, very obvious in a way. And the, and the good side of that is that, you know, when you, for example, you're running to get the, the flagpole at the end and you've, you're, you're about to leap and you do this magnificent jump. It's just arcing beautifully. And then someone bumps you in midair and you get skewed off course and you, and you miss your mark. And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> so that doesn't happen anymore. But on the other hand, you know, when you, when you do reach, when you are trying to get to the flagpole, sometimes someone will accidentally just give you a boost and you get to the top. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first thought because that's what we would we would do. And that, that's the first thing I thought of when I read that. And I'm like, man, mm. I, uh, yeah, man, it took well, a bit of getting used to. Of myself, but. <laughs> yeah, it took a bit of getting used to. I suppose if you're Yoshi, you know, I don't know if there's bumping exactly, but you can ride them. So there must yeah. be some sort of interactions. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I, it was, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Coke. I was say I, I think I could tell that Trevor never played this with kids, as in, <laughs> <laughs> because not, not not bumping into each other or being able to stand on someone's head or or suppress them in any way is going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. it's gonna put out an awful lot of arguments in the Heiner True. household. Um, yeah, um, now I, I, yeah, <laughs> I understand the disappointment with uh, with losing that, but boy, I'm sitting here thinking, well, all right. That's one less yeah. fight we got to have. <laughs> I know, because when, when my kids are in a mood, they will just pick me up and throw me off the cliff. And I'm like, hey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I have one kid who's going to do that to everybody just to hear them scream. So, <laughs> so yes. Well, maybe it's an option. No maybe you can turn it on or off. That'd be ideal. Best of both worlds. That would be ideal because then you can yeah. choose, of course. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't there in the demo. So, yeah. Very, very noticeable. Um, but I mean, you know, I did. I quickly got used to it, so it was fine. Uh, and like I said, I played it three times, so I wanted to get the most out of it that I could um, because you only get 15 minutes and depending on, you know, with Mario, you could speed run through or you can take your time and explore and look at everything. 
Uh, and obviously with a new game, you really want to look at the backgrounds, look at the characters, look at and look in every nook and cranny uh, and get the most <laughs> most you can out of it. So it's hard to do that in a little 15-minute session. So going back and forth and, and trying it repeatedly definitely gave me more of more time to explore and see everything I could in in that sort of short window <laughs> that was available to me. Um, but yeah, the the powers were really great though. I definitely enjoyed being Elephant Daisy. <laughs> it, was, it was really nice and fun. And Drill Daisy also, the drill power is really, really fun. So I think you'll both enjoy that. I think Kirk said you were, you were looking forward to hiding up in the ceiling. Yes. And just, kind of, yeah, yeah. And just crawling around and avoiding everyone. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. It's really easy. You just go underground and like, okay, I'm just going to chill down here now. <laughs> Nobody can bump me in the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and both are really just fluid and smooth and very easy to use. The, the animation, I think I mentioned this as well, everything just looks lovely. It's animated very well. Like the facial expressions just seems more alive than ever before. And we've seen in the trailer also when you go into a pipe, you kind of just, it's not just going into a pipe and then coming out the other end. It's like there's a little, just a little short animation piece that happens where it's just gives the characters more life, I think. So it just, it, it feels very... I don't know, engaging and lovely. So, yes, I was very impressed, very, very impressed. I just had a big smile on my face the whole time. <laughs> and I was really glad you could try the badges out too. There was sort of, I think there were four available, and then you also could unlock one. There was a badge challenge, which was the wall jumping badge, I think it's called, as opposed to wall kicking, I guess. Yeah, which is weird because I'm so used to wall kicking, which is like, you know, you bounce off the wall and go the opposite direction. And now with the wall jumping, you kind of go up the wall, gives you extra sort of height. So that was interesting and different, but useful. <laughs> uh, and the parachute, obviously, that's we've seen that in the trailer where you can kind of float, float down to the ground, give you a bit more airtime, just like P Princess Peach's power, really. Um, what else can I talk about? The enemies were really good. The stampede that we saw in the trailer, I got to do that, you know, with the kind of rhino things. That was so fun. It's like a wonder thing that happens. I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but that was in the trailer. So there's like a stampede of these blue rhinos. And if you ride them, it takes you up into the air and all over like a roller coaster. Um, I won't say what happens at the end, but if you follow it all the way through, because the second time I did it, I fell off, <laughs> which is fine. You can survive. But if you follow it all the way through, it's, yeah, it's really fun and, and really exciting. So do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else can I say about Mario Wonder? I was just so enraptured by it. And, yeah, like I said, there was no details. And I guess this is a convention thing or at least a parks thing where they, they only show you what's there. They're like, we're not here to talk about anything that's not available in the demo. They wouldn't let me take photos of the screen. I could take photos of myself kind of in front of the screen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. Well, that's what we saw on Twitter, right? You had one. Kind of yeah, 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 yeah. The Nintendo the Nintendo guy took that for me. <laughs> so I've oh, got a good is one. Is that the one where the uh, Nintendo guy was kind of like dodging behind the screen, but not successfully? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be in the picture, but I also want to make sure she's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I've got a good one of my kids in front of the screen too, so that was nice. Yeah, and they loved it. And you know what was really good? Nintendo did a great job, and I'll compare this to Sonic in a second because Nintendo did a really great job of, of the line moving because it was a very long line for, for Mario because um, it was so popular. It was this big, you know, the big new game, right, from Nintendo. But the line moved really quickly. The 15-minute, I guess, um, time constraints helped because the, the game just suddenly stops and says, thank you for playing, and you kind of have to move on. The multiplayer side also helps because, you know, we had three. Like when I had my kids with me, there were three of us. 
So we were just like one group going to one TV with three people as opposed to one person, one person, one person, which is what Sonic did. So, yeah. Um, so it moved really fast. This person was in line behind me saying, oh, this is going to take an hour. And they walked off before I could say, oh, actually, it's probably about 10 minutes. <laughs> so, and it was. It was like a 10 minute wait. So it's really good. So that Sonic. In contrast to when I yeah, went to the Right. So I'm glad to know they're, they're better where you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had so many screens. I tried to count them. I think there were like 20 odd Mario Wonder screens. So there were heaps of them available. Um, but to compare with Sonic Superstars, and I was a little disappointed because with Sonic Superstars, and that was over in the Sega area, it wasn't multiplayer. So you only could do the solo mode. Uh, and I obviously the, the big selling point with Sonic, Sonic Superstars, which also comes out very soon, <laughs> is the multiplayer aspect. And so when I was waiting in line, I'm like, so can I play? Because I was by myself. I was looking for someone to play with. I'm like, can I, who, can I play with someone else? I'm like, no, 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 it's just one player. Uh, which made the line very slow also. But, yeah, also I really wanted to try how mm. this crazy speedy game is going to work with four people. <laughs> so didn't get to try that, sadly. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So Does I really wanted to. that game come out? That's the 17th of October and Mario's oh. the 20th. So they're both right. very close. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's yeah. not like they didn't have it ready or they, they wanted to polish something because obviously at this point they were, they got to push it. Exactly. Yeah. So part of me is like, oh, I hope it doesn't mean it's wonky or <laughs> chaotic, but maybe it's just easier in a PAX sort of setting, you know, to just move people through one at a time. I don't know. But yeah, it, they did it very differently. They had, I don't know, maybe 15 screens and they let through 15 people to play and then they all had their time and then they let them all out at once. So you're in the line not moving for 15 solid minutes. It feels like a very long wait. You know, because in the Mario one, it's like when one person finishes or when one screen is free, the next group comes through. So you're constantly moving forward. But yeah, it's very different with Sonic. It's like you have to wait 15 minutes and then 15 people suddenly get to move through. So yeah, different style. I didn't mm -hmm. like it as much. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any other questions about um, Mario, by the way, before we move on to other games? Uh, what do you think the reaction was of the other people that were around you playing it did everyone seem to be enjoying it they did yeah it was really good vibes everyone was very happy I saw this one group come through I think it was like one of you know four people but the dad didn't want to play he's like no no, no I'll just watch and they're like no no come on there's four people you know we've got a spare controller let's let's just play it. it'll be fun he's like oh, I don't know I don't know he's obviously not a you know Mario gamer I guess but he joined in and had a great time so <laughs> I think that's kind of testament to what it's about it's like inclusive and fun and you know you've got characters like Yoshi and Nabbit who make things a little bit easier even the ghost element so when you die you don't really die anymore you kind of float around as a ghost for five seconds and then if someone touches you you don't lose a life so it means it just makes it a little bit more accessible and it also makes it feel like you're working together a bit more you know, as opposed to like we we're saying, Kirk, about people being thrown off cliffs <laughs> by kids. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. can't do that now. And also, you know, if your colleague or your co-mate, co-teammate, whatever, um, perishes, then um, you can save them. And it's like, it's like we're doing this together. We're on a, we're on this journey to rescue whomever from Bowser together, right? So, yeah, I had that sort of feeling. And and the people around me, yeah, definitely seemed to be enjoying themselves. Yeah, so lots of smiling faces. And like I said, the line was big. Um, constantly. So yeah, definitely everyone was interested and enjoying themselves. The, the one person, actually the one person who left the line, it was funny because he did say about it being an hour, but he also said, 
oh, it'll be out in like two weeks anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But I still really wanted to play it. I lined up three times. <laughs> the hardest man to please in all of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Funny. So funny. And I kind of met my opposite in the Sega line because he was so keen for Sonic Superstars and I'd already done Mario and then went over to Sega because I was I was keen about Sonic as well. But he was he, his first port of call was Sonic and then he was going to Mario. So he was like, he was wearing, I think he had some sort of Sonic article of clothing on, whereas I had my Peach t-shirt on. So <laughs> we were like the opposite. Yeah, there were a lot of hardcore Sonic fans there. I did notice there was a, a guy dressed up as Dr. Robotnik, which was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. He had like the bald head and everything. I was like, wow, you've gone to a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was kind of funny though because the the girl who was letting people into the Sega era didn't really know a lot about the game, which is fine. Uh, she's just there to let people through. But I'm like, oh, what, you know, is when I asked about the multiplayer, she's like, oh, is this multiplayer? I'm like, yes, it is. It's like, <laughs> it's like the main selling point of this game. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> they probably hired college interns just to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it was kind of cute, but yeah. Um, I tried a lot of other games, so I don't know if I'll have time to talk about all of them, but I definitely wanted to mention Prince of Persia because we've spoken about that recently, um, especially for you, Kirk, because you said, if I try it, to let you know. So I did. In fact, as soon as I played Super Mario Wonder, there was a little area that had sort of a few different games like Detective Pikachu and Prince of Persia. I think they even had Sonic Superstars from a Switch perspective. And... Uh, I went straight to Prince of Persia. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And it was really good. It was really smooth. The animation was really nice and lovely. I really, I, I loved the style of it. I think it was about, I think it was about a 20. I, I, these, some of these games didn't really have strict time limits because they weren't the bigger games like your Mario and Sonic type of titles. So you could sort of play as long as you wanted, just sort of, if people started lining up, they would move you along. But generally you'd kind of just play 20 minutes or whatever and then you, see someone behind you and you're like, hey, would you like to go? And you kind of pass the button sort of thing. So, yeah, but um, it looked like there were some zombies in this game, Kirk, which you might be interested in. It looked like reanimated corpses who were fighting against our, our uh, hero. Is that normal okay. in Prince of Persia? <laughs> uh, not that I recall, but I've missed some games, so maybe. I'm... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. So. I think the original had maybe skeletons. Yeah, yeah. I mostly I remember the guards. Yeah. So these guards looked like they had some kind of power, I don't know, imbued in them, some sort of reanimated vibe. Um, they weren't too hard, but this was kind of the first level, I guess. So, you know, there's a nice kind of uh, intro, like an animation sequence, bit of story, uh, then you're straight into it. You know, it's nice side-scrolling. There's a few traps to avoid. There's a few puzzles to, like, you know, area to unlock, I guess, you know, with different doors to uh, open and uh you could do the swinging thing across gaps and things like that spikes of course <laughs> always spikes <laughs> um and yeah i really enjoyed it it was it was really good fun it was not enough time to make a a full uh complete decision i suppose about whether it's good but it did feel it did feel good in this in the, the time i had with it so i think it's looking positive that one's not out till January, so I guess it may not even be the final version at this point, right? Still got a few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah I bet there's more polish to come. Mm, yeah, but it certainly looked nice. It's kind of that 2D platforming, but it had that very nice detailed 
depth of background, if that makes sense. And I think even the foreground um, had a few elements in it. You might have even gone forward and backwards a little bit in sort of, what is that, the y-axis as opposed to x-axis. Am I saying that right? You know what I mean? Like you kind of come forward but not really. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway, there's a few oh, yeah, cool elements. You've got that cinematic platform feel. That's kind of yeah. part yeah. of the course where they compensate like half a step here or there to, to mm. get the animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also tried the Square Enix title. Uh, which the name has escaped me, Kirk. Do you remember what that one's called? The one that we talked about last week. <laughs> I didn't write it down. Uh, I oh, gave yeah, that I one. Saga or something. Which one? Was it like Star Saga, Star Ocean, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Star uh, Ocean R2 or something, I think. And so I gave that one a go. That was, uh, it's hard to say what I think about that one. It's, good like it was fun I enjoyed my time with it you kind of jump in at like a really high level like level 35 or something so you're you're in the middle of the game more or less um obviously if you played it you know the the full version you would start from the beginning you would have all this kind of build up with characters and story and you'd you'd have a bit more connection with those characters jumping in and playing around with them for sort of 10 minutes or whatever you don't have that connection. You're kind of just really checking out the action, I suppose. Um, and the action was good. Yeah, sorry, Kirk. Yeah, I was just going to say that that that's always an odd decision, either in demos that you could download and play, or or when they're showing it off at at, a, at an expo like this, because. Mm. In these games, the combat systems evolve so much over time that if you're just dumped in with an entire, you know, three quarters of a game's worth of of combat additions piled onto you at once i imagine it's just overwhelming and you know how, how can you enjoy the the, the <laughs> fights if you're if you don't even know what to do yeah oh it's and it was like that it's a very complex system <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a very complicated menu and and the 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 person i was speaking to from nintendo she was really great and she sort of helped with controls and things like that and gave me some background but there is a lot going on and like you said when you throw it in the deep end it is. It's hard to get the feel for it. Uh, yep. The and this is not a turn-based title. Like the the action is uh, real time. So when you enter into a battle, you're kind of just running around attacking. So I was just kind of just spamming the attack button. But it looked lovely. I mean, it's one of those two point five. What do they call it? Two point five D. Is that what they oh, call it? Oh, like the two D HD. Yeah, it's like it's not – you're like these little pixelated sprites, but you're running around a 3D field kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks – I mean, it's up to personal preference. I think we've sort of spoken about our preferences previously. Um, I like the sprite look, definitely. The 3D look against that is a little jarring, I suppose. But, you know, it it looks nice overall. I mean, the backgrounds are lovely. The colours are, are vibrant. It's – it's kind of jumping off the screen. It's just whether you, you like that kind of mishmash of styles, I suppose. Mm. But it certainly seems like there's a lot to it and it's a deep game that would keep you occupied for many hours if you were into it. So I think fans will get a kick out of it for sure. Yeah, there, was, there weren't a lot of that style of games there, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think it was a standout from that perspective. One other game I did try at the Nintendo area, which I wanted to mention, which took me by surprise, was Fae Farm. Have you guys heard of this one? I remember it from one of the uh, 
farm focused direct yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. same (laughs) same i am not really a farming simulator player to be honest but my kids were playing detective pikachu uh and right next to that was fay farms i thought hey you know what no one's playing this game i'm just going to give it a quick go and it was really fun it's like animal crossing crossed with stardew valley in fact the nintendo guy said it was stardew crossing (laughs) that's what he called it so um and it just it is it is like animal crossing you know you're kind of making buildings and things and it's like Saju Valley you've got farms and things like that and but there's also combat you can do missions there's magic you can level up uh you can jump in this game like it's a bit like a platform in that I mean still a top-down kind of thing but you can jump and swim and it's a bit more of an open worldy feel to it and while I was there I just really it felt really good it felt a little bit like fantasy life a little bit you know because you kind of yeah, which I really enjoyed, Fantasy Life. So, yeah, it was a great game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So had that bit of feel to it. Now this one's already out, um, obviously, so it's not a new new one exactly. I think it came out maybe a month ago or so. But yeah, if if you're a farming sim fan looking for something different, I think that one is definitely worth checking out. I I enjoyed it. You know, so much so that I would be tempted to to actually get it and play it if I had time. <laughs> so. And, you know, you can spend your time just building up your house and your and your farm. You can just do all that relaxing side of things if you want to. Or you can go and do these missions, you know, do the combat. You kind of just choose your own adventure almost, which I really like that aspect as well. It gives you so many different ways to play. Yeah. So that was, that was awesome. That was like a, a little surprise for me. I just, yeah, didn't know what to expect. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a go. I did try Detective Pikachu, but only very quickly because I knew that one was coming out and I'm actually reviewing that one this week so i'll have some more some actual hands-on time at home <laughs> to get a better feel for it um yeah so we'll, we'll save that one for next week i think but yeah well i mean we did want to say it is, it is out right so it is out now listeners if you are a detective pikachu fan um yeah i was the only thing i did with that was i saved a pidov who was uh, collapsed and his fellow pidovs didn't seem to really care they were just kind of yeah, he's asleep <laughs> he's fine <laughs> So, yeah, my mission was to find out what was wrong with this pit oven, kind of help him out there. Um, but before we move on, I did want to also call out a few indie devs that I spoke to because part of the excitement of going to PAX, like, yes, Nintendo was there, which was huge for me and huge, uh, hugely exciting to play Mario and other games. But there's this massive indie dev section. Is it like that? Was it like that at PAX East, Trev? Was there a huge indie dev area? I mean, I definitely played indie games but i don't remember Mm -hmm. if it was like isolated to its own section i feel like they were kind of sprinkled throughout right okay interesting and i haven't i I haven't been before so i don't know (laughs) if it's changed some people i said i spoke to said it has grown a lot over the years like the indie section started off quite small and then year after year it sort of grows and grows because there's so many uh great devs out there now doing really fantastic work so I walked around, I had some appointments with a few of them, and then I kind of also just met some randomly just to see, like Kirk said, I think that was your advice, wasn't it? Just give yourself time to walk around and explore and see what you can see. Right. So I took, yeah, I took that advice on, Kirk. <laughs> and, I'm glad uh, it worked out. <laughs> it did. It did. It did. So a few that I'll just mention, and I'm, I will be writing a piece up about this on the website as well, but I met the, the team at um, from Prideful Sloth, which is a Brisbane 
company, so that's where I'm from, and they're working on a title called Go Go Town, which is another kind of sim game. You're the mayor of a town and you build buildings and shops and then people come to your town because it's so awesome and then you give them jobs. And what I love is once you build a building, you get to cut the ribbon like a real mayor. So <laughs> it's really cool. And they're working on a co-op mode for that as well. It is coming to the Switch next year. So that's one mm. to keep an eye on. And Anthony and John. Where do I know that name from, Gemma? Prideful Sloth. I feel like I know that name. What have they done? Do you know offhand? Uh, do I know offhand? I don't know offhand. Sorry. I probably should. Oh, they did the Yonder game. Oh, yes. They did. Of course. Sorry. Yes, I did ask them that. That's a great game. Yeah, I know. When they told me that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You guys did, did Yonder? That's amazing. They that's were very, so uh, Breath of the Wild type game. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I spoke to Anthony and John. They were they were really great guys. Very easy to talk to, very enthusiastic. Um, and then, and just out of interest with the name Prideful Sloth comes from uh, the two sins that they as- associate with the most, pride and sloth. So <laughs> hence Prideful <laughs> Sloth, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they were great. Uh, they showed off some, some of the co-op stuff that they're working on. So it was a bit of a build that they're working on that they showed me, which was really, really great. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's where they're from, from Yonder. And I think you, you've played that one, right, Trev? Yeah, I, re- I reviewed that, actually. I, I reviewed, did. Yeah. I reviewed their other game, too. Now that yeah. I'm looking at their their page and uh, yeah, Yonder specifically, I really enjoyed. Uh, in mm. fact, both my wife and I played through that more than once. I think so. Yeah, I remember you reviewing it and enjoying it. So uh, definitely one to keep an eye on uh, for this Go Go Town. It looks really cool. It's yeah, it has a really good cartoony sort of sim- simple but fun vibe to it. Really cute but happy kind of yeah flow. So I think that'll be really fun. I enjoyed my time with it. I got some. I got a really decent amount of time with it actually, because I was chatting to them for a bit. So yeah, Prideful Sloth and Go Go Town. I also spoke to Tom and Lysel from Vivink Studios, uh, and they are working. They're from Sydney, and they're working on a title called A Lurie, which I, this is one I just randomly stumbled upon. But it's about a red panda. It's a platformer, and it's two player, and it's a red panda. That uh, it's this beautiful, lush environment, very green with very calming music. Um, and I spoke to Tom, who's the composer, and Liza is the actual artist behind it. And she was so great. She, <laughs> when she gives you your business, her business card, she draws the little red panda for you. So I have like it's almost like an autograph, but it's like her drawing of the red panda. And I'm like, this is this is so cool. I love this. I want to frame it. It's like, it's so <laughs> cute, um, and it's just a lovely looking game. And they they had a lot of people gathering around, so it took me a while to actually get some hands on time. I had a chat with them on the Friday. Didn't get to play it till the Saturday, and my kids were with me, so they played it as well. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. That's um, I think it's yeah, that's on its way to Switch next year as well. Next up, I had a meeting with a team at Hojo Studios. And they are responsible for something called the God Feather, which <laughs> this is like such a cute, fun game. It is about a, a mafia pigeons, basically. And it's, <laughs> it's like a top-down perspective and you fly around town as a pigeon and you poop on people. Uh, you have like little missions, like go. you have to stop these people from, you know, uh, public displays of affection in the park. Like, hey, these humans are interrupting our environment <laughs> so you've got to go and poop on them so uh then you then you're going to alert that there's some clean washing over in you know southwest or whatever so you got to go fly over that way and, and poop on the clean clothes on the, on the washing line <laughs> uh and there's yeah, then there's like uh i think it's 
cockatoos and drones that can spot you and they kind of try to catch you so you have to dive into a tree to avoid those and uh, the other thing that stood out with this one is the music it's really great it's like this really guitar based kind of really cool beat it's really really good and then when when the drone spots you the the, the beat kind of intensifies uh, it just looks really great they had a lot of people coming past as well they were a really popular booth my kids and I played it several times actually the kids kept wanting to go back they just loved the pigeons they loved the poop everyone loved this whole concept it was just such a weird thing <laughs> <laughs> so I had a really really good chat with them I spoke to Rick and Yola uh, they're just a two-people team and they only do it part-time so they're amazing. This isn't even their full-time job. That's like, it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. There's the thing that I loved about PAX was talking to all these people and the passion that comes through from these developers. They all are just so into what they do. They just love it. You can feel it. And they're all really big Switch fans as well. They're all big Nintendo fans. You know, they really just love working with the Switch. They all want to be on the Switch. You know, I spoke to lots of other developers who are only on Steam at the moment. Um, but they all want to be on the Switch and they're all aiming to do that. So it's really, really cool. It's really great. Really awesome to see. Um, and especially just for me as an Australian to see all this great work coming out of Australia. I really like that. Um, I also spoke to Nick from Hungry Sky. And you might have heard of this one because it's called Necograms, which I think is on mobile devices and has been for maybe a year or two. It's like a puzzle game. And it's sort of based on Picross loosely. But Nick was telling me the story where he originally wanted a Picross game for his mobile phone back before smartphones were even a thing, so like quite a while ago. But he couldn't fit the numbers on the screen. So he made this like sliding puzzle game and it had light bulbs turning on and off instead of numbers, if that makes sense. Anyway, it evolved into this cute cat game where the aim is to help cats get to sleep. It's like the cutest concept ever. So the cats are sliding around and you have to just help them get to sleep. And <laughs> I just love it so much. Yeah, he was so enthusiastic. And they're from Western Australia, actually. So um, over the west of Australia, obviously, hence the name, Western Australia. Um, and they, again, Nick was a huge Switch fan. He can't wait to get onto the Switch. And they're working on, it. They're working on that version right now. So hopefully next year we'll see more from them. And one more I quickly wanted to point out was a New Zealand company, actually, which was Black Salt Games. And you guys might have heard of this one. It's called Dredge because it's actually already out on the Switch. Have you heard of this one? I have. I've seen press releases and I know there was something like maybe they just released some DLC for it, it or something recently. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 So it's described as a Lovecraftian fishing title, which immediately sounds uh, interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> Essentially. Fishing for Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're like a fisherman and you go out for the day on your little tugboat and it's really cute uh, and fun and you, 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 you know, catch your fish. And then you're supposed to be back in port by 5 p.m. because something, the fog rolls in and, and things start to go, I don't know, things start happening. And the longer you're out in the fog, the more you kind of see things and you go a little bit crazy. So <laughs> um, it's very interesting, yeah. You don't have to be out in the fog. You can just go back to land if you don't want to deal with the craziness or you can go out and, and uh, stay out all night and deal with all of that stuff as well. <laughs> so um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So Black Salt Games, uh, Nadia I spoke to, she's lovely. And there is a demo on the Switch as well. So I think that's worth checking out. Um, and yeah, as you said, there's DLC. I don't know if it's out already or it's coming out. I think it must be out around this time, which is probably why they were at PAX to show that off. But yeah. Very, very interesting title. 
yeah, really, really cool. And it just looks awesome too. It's very smooth animation. I had a go at it. Uh, it was the Steam version, but I had a go at it at PAX. And uh, the boat is really easy to control and you kind of just dip your, you know, your fishing rod into the water and, and catch your fish. It's really easy to play. So, yeah, I can't wait to get more time with Dredge. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really fun. So that was just a handful of the people I spoke to, but they were the kind of the main ones. Um, and I really wanted to just call out those people and say thank you for chatting to me. And, yeah, good luck with your titles and we'll be watching for these uh, upcoming titles and covering them more when they're when they're heading to switch. But I think that's about it for my packs wrap up, unless you guys had any questions for me. I'm just happy for you that you were able to, uh, to experience one. It's exciting. And I'm glad that packs kind of hits all corners of the globe. Mm. You know, Z3 it's, it's an LA thing. And if you can't get out there, that's it. But they have packs, you know, North, mm. South, West, Australia, you know, <laughs> it's everywhere. So yeah. Uh, happy for that. Yeah, definitely. No, it was it was a fantastic experience. I'm very glad I could go. Thank you to the team at PAX for putting on such a great show. But let's move on to, we said last week we were going to do a horror game every week in the lead up to Halloween. So, Kirk, have you got a, a Halloween-themed title to talk to us about today to inspire us? I, I do. And we, we mentioned that we were going to cover ones that were released this year, and this one is kind of cheating. Um, Ooh, the okay. game I want to talk about is Dark ultimate edition that's dark d-a-r-q all capital letters mm-hmm. um i haven't played this one sophie my daughter reviewed this for pure nintendo back in 2021 um so it, it's been out for a bit but back then it was the complete edition and now mm-hmm. in march of 2023 they released the ultimate edition so i guess the complete edition wasn't complete um, <laughs> but this is it, it, it's more of a puzzle game. It's like if we're going to compare these to horror movies, then we're going to look at uh, like visually, let's say it looks a little bit like something Tim Burton would do. It's got kind of a Victorian Burton-esque kind of feel. Or um, when I look at the screen captures, I think a lot of uh, The Corpse Bride, if any of you have seen the, uh, I think that's a Leica movie. Let, um stop motion animation mm-hmm. but it's it's a puzzle game and it's not so much horror as, as in you know terrifying gore or anything like that or violence it's a creepy sort of nightmare world that you're playing through and solving puzzles in um there are jump scares um I, you, you can die if, you, if you're not doing things right but for the most part it's about a character who is falling into a nightmare and can't get out of it um, and so it's kind of a psychological horror type of thing. And he needs to work his way through these environments, um, by manipulating the environment themselves. You're, you're walking on, um, you're walking along the floor and then you need to flip up and you're walking on walls. You're walking on ceilings. You need to rotate the room in order to solve puzzles. But there are a lot of really creepy visuals that are kind of keeping you on edge the whole time. And because there are some jump scares, although there's nothing really terrifying, you never know when you're going to do something that's going to trigger something that's going to pop out. Um, (laughs) So it it kind of keeps you on edge throughout the whole thing. So if you're looking for a scary game to play, um, not one that's going to terrify you or make it so you can't, uh, you know, sleep at night (laughs) um, or one to play with uh, younger audiences, you just want to have a good fright and then, um, play a good game at the same time and then move on then then dark ultimate edition i think is a pretty good option awesome 
you make a good point too about it's a teen rated game how so many horror games are rated m and are so bloody and and disturbing and it's it's kind of refreshing to see a creepy game rated teen yeah yeah and i think you know that's a, one of the good things about horror is that you know you can cater it to different audiences a lot of people hear that word and they immediately think of whatever scares them the most but that's not necessarily the case just because it's horror doesn't mean that it is going to be gory or um, that it's going to have jump scares or anything. You know, they, it's, it's a, it's a pretty broad genre and you can find a lot within it. So, um, you know, we will talk about some games leading up to Halloween that do have gore <laughs> and violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, yeah, it's, a. Uh, it, I don't want to say it's charming, but it really kind of is. I mean, <laughs> it seems like every time I see anything with that, sort of like Victorian approach to stuff, uh, you know, kind of a steampunk look. It is kind of charming, right? Even if it's all dark mm. and blue and creepy. Yeah, exactly. And it definitely looks Tim Burton-esque. Like, yeah, <laughs> it has, has that vibe, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think as Sophie said, because the main character's name is Lloyd, right? Lloyd yes. himself would fit right into any number of Burton's movies. So, yeah, yeah that kind of sums it up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, awesome. and Sophie gave it a good review in the the more recent um, version that was reviewed uh, by Kirsty for us. Uh, she also enjoyed it too. So we've had two pure Nintendo reviews that have come out for various versions of this game, and both recommended it. So we recommend it to you. Great, that's so cool. Thank you, Kirk. That's a mm-hmm. nice nice inspiration for Halloween. So listeners, let us know if you've tried uh, Dark Complete or what was the other version called? Complete or <laughs> Ultimate. Ultimate Ultimate Edition. edition. Which has a lot of DLC. Um, you're, yeah. you're getting a lot more for your for your money now. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> That's so good. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Let's move on to some other games we're playing. I'm not sure who's playing these games. Oh, wait. I know who's playing this one. Fate Samurai Remnant. That's a Kirk title, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I started this one. I was about to start it um, at the end of our, our recording of the last week's podcast. Um, How's it going? Fate's- it's, it's going quite well. Fade Samurai Remnant comes from Koei Tecmo, um, de- developed by Omega Force. And as we mentioned, they're the, company, the companies that work together on a lot of the Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors Musu games. Mm. Um, I mentioned, uh, I, I wasn't sure how this one was going to play out because from what I'd seen in the trailers, it seemed to focus a lot more on anime aspects of it as opposed to the battles. And that's exactly um, how it ended up coming across. You are not running across a giant battlefield in this one, taking on hundreds of people at a time just to push to the next one where you're, you're fighting that many people. It has the same style combat as the Warriors games, but you are fighting um, fewer people at a time, like maybe only around a dozen tops. Um, Mm. In fact, you know what it is like in the Dynasty Warriors games, you know how you're playing along and you're just plowing through all kinds of grunts who you know are not going to put up any kind of fight. But then you get to like an officer and the officer actually takes some thought and some time and you need to know how to defend and when to attack. Every battle in this game is like that. Um, Like you've got one really strong officer and some grunts around it and you can clear out the grunts. But in order to do any damage against them, I'll call it an officer, even though that's not what it is here. Um, you need to knock away their defense first, and and that takes some time. And they've got attacks that they're able to do that you're either going to have to dodge, or eventually, if you learn a uh, a block skill, you can do that. 
Um, so, so the combat is much more isolated. You spend a lot more time exploring and finding things and, and taking care of quests that aren't that difficult. Um, and at the beginning, I thought this was fantastic. After putting in a dozen or so hours, it started to wear down a little bit because it was very much a run around, find some things, and then go and do another battle. And it was just back and mm. forth. But two things that really help out here. Um, first is there is this thing called like the ley lines, which is a completely separate game. It's like as you're moving on the map from one section of the city to the other, um, you, you have to connect these ley lines, which is kind of like an underground energy thing. But it's this entirely separated puzzle thing, um, almost like a board game where you have to get your person to the goal without getting your path from where you started cut off by any of the enemies. And you can either do that by moving or you're able to use special skills to, um, to prevent this from happening. It's a really hard element to wrap your head around. Um, but after doing it a few times, I think I got it and had a decent strategy and was able to pull that off. So that breaks it up nicely. Um, the other thing is the city itself that this all takes uh, place in is uh, it's Edo. Um, and it's a very large city that's all connected. And you're kind of working out, I, I want to say suburbs. I'm sure that's what they didn't call them back in Edo area. <laughs> um, but as you're moving around, each city kind of has its own sort of like theme to it. Um, but it all feels connected and they're all very busy. There's an awful lot of people in there. Some of them you talk to, some of them you don't. There are an awful lot of dogs and cats to pet. And I know that's a very <laughs> popular in thing games right now. So if you're a fan mm. of cats and dogs. In fact, it's often a subquest. Like you're, you're supposed to find these cats and dogs and pet them in order cool. to get a reward. But there are a ton of other things that you can do in the city to get various uh, rewards. And then of course you're powering up along the way and you're meeting a lot of new characters um, throughout uh, great big cinematic battles where you're fighting someone and you get the, you get the big anime segment and then it looks like it's all lost. And then somebody comes in, you don't know who it is good guy, bad guy, and you have to find out the animation. Sometimes you fight them anyway, even though they're a good guy, and then we're all friends. And you know, if you've, <laughs> I'm sure it's the way it is in all the Fate games. But So it's a much more diverse, I guess, as my, my I've spoken a long time. <laughs> Although it is, at its most basic, a Musu title uh, style game, there's an awful lot more to do here, and, and they break it up in a way that makes it so it doesn't feel anything like um, your Samurai Warriors or Dynasty Warriors game. So I got to push through it a little more. Um, should have the review ready in about a week. And, uh, um, you know, maybe we'll wrap it up next week when I see how far I've gotten. Cool. Do you have any idea of the time it will take? Like, what's the entire game play like? I'm not sure yet. I put in about 20 hours. Um, I feel like there's still quite a ways to go. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, my guess right now is I'd probably be done within about 50 to 60. But... I don't know because the story didn't really go the way I expected it to, or, or at least it's not getting there as quickly as mm. I thought. I still have a lot of characters to meet. Um, um, I could tell because uh, the plot element is it's actually, have you ever seen the movie Highlander? Trev, you've seen Highlander? I, I know. Not, I'm aware of it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I know of it. I <laughs> be one, right? <laughs> ah, it's got a soundtrack by Queen. You're <laughs> Really? Soundtrack by Queen, you go watch. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, 
but yeah, it's like there's this tournament going on. It's like a tournament amongst these like spirit characters. Um, let me see exactly what that's called. It's the it, we're in you know, what they call a holy grail war, and there's something called the waxing moon ritual, where these pairs of masters and servants are going to battle, and then one of them is only one can survive, like in Highlander, and. <laughs> They, I, it seems like they're going to get some kind of prize, like in Highlander. Um, but I haven't met all of the people who are part of this fight yet. And unlike in Highlander, where you just went and you chopped off another immortal's head, and when the last one's left standing, <laughs> this one, they're kind of like forming alliances along the way. Like, yeah, I don't really want to do this. Why don't you and I work together? So there's a lot more politicking behind it as opposed mm-hmm. to just money. Um, which, of course, makes it much better for a, a prolonged 60, 70 hour game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are still a lot of people I need to meet. So um, it's hard for me to gauge right now how far ahead I have to progress. Do you think sure. it's taking you long, Kirk? Because I, th- I think I recall maybe last week's I wasn't on, but you said you'd play to a point and then you'd switch and then play up to that same point on the other side. Like, Oh, no, that, that was a different game. game. That was, yeah, uh, yeah that was cross tables. Cross mm. tables. You know what? When you were talking about petting cats and dogs, I think I automatically. <laughs> Yeah. in my mind cats and dogs <laughs> yep. Well, yep that's a good connection because there were cats and, but you were the cats and dogs fighting in that one yeah. so you would have been yeah. each other in that. <laughs> friendlier than I, than I was led to believe but <laughs> that's funny uh, wasn't um wasn't sean connery in highlander yes yeah, yeah okay he played, he played ramirez I just can't believe that Queen did the soundtrack. I obviously have not seen it. Yeah. They, just- <laughs> it, it wasn't like Flash Gordon where they did like almost the entire thing. There was some cinematic score, but they did a lot of, mm. you know, music without lyrics, to, you know, while battles were going on. In Highlander, they wrote four, I think they just wrote four songs that appeared in it. And then there was a fifth song from their previous album that they also used in it. Hmm. I'll have to check if it out. If we're going to do the, uh, <laughs> Anything with Queen you got to experience, then Kirk, you need to play Rise of the Robots. Cause that oh, that's actually, yes. I have a copy of that game. I never played it um, because it couldn't because it was only PC, but I bought it just because it was my Queen. <laughs> or, or was that they also had a game for the PC called The Eye, and I bought that, and I still have that box and never played it because it was on the PC. <laughs> You yeah, need to I'm get yourself old. a PC. <laughs> I, I guess you got so. a huge backlog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of games for like Windows ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably worth something. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Hmm. Well, thank you. That's awesome. Fate Samurai Remnant. So. Uh, that's like part two. Now we were like, now we sort of had the introduction, like I'm going to play this game. I'm playing this game. And then next week, hopefully I finish this game. So <laughs> see how it wraps up. Yeah, yeah, we'll wrap it up. It'll be, it'll be a trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Everything good comes in trilogies, right? So <laughs> uh, who's playing the making of Karateka or Karateka? Uh, yeah, that's me. And, that's uh, Trev. It's What's interesting. You say Karateka. Um, Cause a lot of people say Karateka and, Oh. It's got like four or five different pronunciations. And <laughs> yeah. In fact, within the documentary, they joke about that. Really? <laughs> like half the dev team says it one way, the other half says it the other way. Some people alternate and say it both ways. And <laughs> What do you say? That's the important thing. Yeah, I always said uh, karateka because that's how I remember it from a uh, old commercial. But oh. uh, according to the developer... Uh, who also created Prince of Persia, by the way. So cool. 
a little fun fact. There really is no right way to say it. So, <laughs> um, but this is a really interesting. It does have games, but it's a, a fairly comprehensive documentary. It uses the same style as the Atari uh, 50th anniversary collection. So it's like an interactive timeline that cool. sort of takes you through um, the early, you know, some of their early work when they were really just a kid, you know, working on games and to the eventual uh, release of, you know, Karateka, Karateka. Uh, and it's got multiple versions from the original Apple II, which maybe Kirk was playing back in the day, uh, to a I, remastered game. So I owned an Apple II GS. Oh. I got Karateka on the shelf. I haven't opened it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really it's really uh, it's the sort of thing you know somebody like me really gets into because I love learning about old games and I love you know playing them because you know Karateka was really you know it did have some console ports eventually but it was really uh, a computer game I didn't have a computer uh, when I was a young kid. So being able to play them now on Switch and playing the remastered version, which is kind of, you know, has like a fluid fluidity that, you know, tech at the time wouldn't allow, is just really nice. So, uh, yeah, it came out about a month ago. It got buried in my inbox, which is my fault, but I will have a review for it, um, you know, within a few days of the podcast posting. Cool. I love that it's, yeah, like a, a documentary style with gaming sort of interspersed throughout. That's very interesting. I've not heard of Karateka, to be honest. So this is It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I look at it, obviously it's a karate-based game. So it's probably karate car, right? Well, that's <laughs> how like, Americans pronounce it. But mm. Or karate. Yeah, karateka. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. They probably do pronounce it differently. Mm, interesting. You say potato and I say potato. <laughs> yeah, that looks really cool. I love, <clears throat> excuse me, in one of the screenshots, they're fighting, it looks like Mount Fuji's in the background in like pixelated form. <laughs> oh, yeah, just outside the window. Hmm, that's cool. It was a really uh, cutting edge game for its day. In fact, mm. you know, a lot of the work in Prince of Persia, you know, with that kind of cinematic platformer style originated in Karataka with, you know, the rotoscope oh, wow. animation and stuff. So it was yeah. a pioneer. Yeah. So Jordan Mechner is the yeah. original creator and he created this when he was in college, right? In 1984. Yeah, he was a young, yeah. young kid. And mm. they actually have a lot of his early, uh, like journal entries and documentation. So it's really assuming, you know, you like learning about old games. It's very interesting mm. being able to play early prototypes and see how things got changed and polished up and, um yeah mm. it's, just, it's a good formula they have um and i hope that really we see more games you know yeah. like this. i'd love to see a prince of persia one or uh really really any classic game for that matter yeah it'll be interesting to see how that goes to see if more of that style can can be made i just think it's yeah interesting. i think um they're calling it the the gold series or it has a like a banner name i can't it escapes me at the moment mm. but yeah, that's cool. Thank you, Trev. I think, you know, because we used to have like DVDs with special editions and stuff like that, we don't have them anymore because we're all like Netflix and Disney Plus. Do we miss out on some of that background documentary style information about things that we love, right? I mean, that, I'm, that's more movie based, but in terms of games, 
this makes sense to have like a game about a game kind of thing or a series or whatever. So I don't it's know. preserving history and mm. it's introducing, you know, like I said, a game that a lot of maybe console only gamers never got to experience or maybe weren't aware of. Yeah, exactly. This came out 84. So a lot of people weren't alive then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost 40 years ago. Next year. Yeah, a lot of 40th people. anniversary. <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> Some people. Um, thank you, Jerem. Next, we have Crowns and Pawns, Kingdom of Deceit. Who was playing this game? That, that's me too. That's another um, tribe special? What do we got? What's this one about? That's a review game. Came out about a week ago. Uh, it's a point and click graphic adventure. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of a long, you know, those games can be long if you don't, you know, look at walkthroughs. So, and of course I'm trying to play it proper, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's really the sort of point and click game that I like because there's just a ton of things to click and a lot of, you know, there, there's voice acting too. So there's a lot of narration on the objects. A lot of more recent graphic adventures have kind of focused the things you can click on you know, that are directly involved in a puzzle, which, you know, fair enough, I guess it cuts down on the chaff, but it also takes out some of the the challenge and some of the character and charm. Mm. So, you know, I love just clicking around and, you know, hearing the character talk about this and that and the other thing. And there's a mystery, you know, and it's, it's far encompassing. It's, I think it has some of the same makers from the broken sword games, uh, which I love. I have to double check on that, but, um, really polished it's got this kind of almost looks like a hand-painted graphical style at points and Mm. like i mentioned fully fully voice acted really good you know not just we're going to grab our our buddies and have them record lines these are professionals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which adds a lot so um i'm playing it with my wife jen and you know you're able to to swap ideas and be like oh let's try this or do you remember that or so Uh, it's a lot of fun i'm impressed so far that's awesome. It looks really good. Yeah, I like the art style for sure. And I mean, you know, point and click games you think are pretty self-explanatory and maybe easy to make, but there's a there's a sort of a I don't want to say a right and wrong way, but you can do it well or not so well, right? And yeah. I think yeah. This Very is a much. good way. This sounds like it's being done well. So <laughs> yeah. Or I guess there's different ways of approaching it, but this is like maybe the classic style with a very interactive room, is that what we're saying? And people because I like that as well, where you get to actually really investigate little nooks and crannies and see what this book does or this what's on this table or what's, yeah. you know, yeah. And mm. you get like a full inventory. Like like I mentioned, a lot of a games, the less you click on, sometimes the less items you have to work with too, and which makes the puzzles easier because it's like, all right, I only have five items. I have to use one of them. But this one, you know, your inventory screen is just packed with stuff. Mm. And it's it encourages you to to think and experiment and, you know, look at the items more closely and hear the character narrate about them and they'd be like, oh, wait a minute, you know, could I combine this with that? Or, you know, does this character mention something about this? So it's, it's mm-hmm. a thinking person's game, which is not everyone's cup of tea, mm-hmm. but it's kind of status quo for the genre. So, yeah. Do the puzzle solutions make sense or is it completely random? Like there's no way you would have ever thought to combine these two items in order to do this <laughs> kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. like we used to get so often in these games that mm-hmm. wanted you to pay a 900 number to, to call and get the solutions. <laughs> That's a really fair question, Kirk. Um, and I, I would say by and large from what I've experienced, 
the puzzles make sense within the the genre. We're only a few hours in. Um, there was one thing I had to get a subtle a hint on that I, I didn't look at a walkthrough. I just looked at a, at a small hint to kind of steer me. But I, I think they, they tend to make sense. Although right now we are stumped on a puzzle where I feel like we've tried everything. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. time will tell. I guess time to, time to go back to every room, every location you've been to and explored and, and see what tiny item you missed. <laughs> I guess the real tell will be if I do have to consult a walkthrough, uh, which mm. I may, you know, after I get the, the hint or solution, will I be like, oh, duh. Or will I be like, what? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no shame in using walkthroughs for these kind of games. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, no shame at all. Yeah. They can be quite difficult and, yeah, not make total sense <laughs> to people other than maybe the developers. But yeah, It does what? help, though. The more of these type of games you've played, the more mm-hmm. you get in that mindset. So this mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't be a game to introduce people to the genre. But if you're a fan, I would definitely recommend it so far. Cool. Sounds good. And what's with the title? Because I, I thought it sounded like a medieval kind of fantasy title with the crowns and pawns kingdom of deceit but it's like a modern day it looks like it's set in kind of our world right yeah well it is modern day but Mm -hmm. a long story short the lead character um basically has to 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 travel her grandfather died and as she's going through his um you know paperwork and belongings you start to unravel some history okay back even before then and you know the, the scope of it isn't fully realized yet but of course you know broken sword was very much like that too where you know it went back to the like the times of the the knights templar so mm-hmm. um yeah it'll be there's, interesting to see how it plays out but there's a lot of you're looking back at old like historical documents and like old uh you know church sites and things like this to try to you know see how the clues of history tie into your current predicament. Cool. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Very interesting vibe. Uh, so how far into it are you? Just a, a couple of hours, right? I'm, I'm a few hours in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really sure how, how long it is, but I feel like I have a ways to go. And, and that's why these games are really hard to review. Like we've had some great uh, games come our way in the genre and, I'm just like, I don't think I can get this done in a timely manner. Mm, but this yeah. one I'm really going to push through because it's really high high quality and it's impressed me uh, from the yeah. start for the most part. Yeah, exactly. That's, well, I can't wait to hear more about it as you get more into it then. So it looks like some interesting news came out during the week about a new Lego, uh, is it a set? I don't even know. But I mentioned this a while ago. There was a rumor and I think Kirk thought I was talking about a new game. <laughs> I remember like, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now I have to specify every time we talk about Lego, I'm talking about a set. This is the <laughs> Lego Animal Crossing is official, which, oh my gosh. I don't know yes. a lot about it, but I saw the trailer. And do you know more than I do, Kirk? Because it looks I, so cute. <laughs> looks yeah, so I cute. do not. Because I think all they've done is they just posted that little teaser trailer to sort mm. of say, yes, this is official and it's coming. Um, but from what we can see, it's exactly what I'd kind of hoped it was, where you're mm-hmm. just able to use Lego to build your own little Animal Crossing world with Animal Crossing characters. Um, 
The one thing I did notice that I thought was kind of fun, and I don't know that it could be this is always the case with Lego, but there were trees in the background that looks like you can sort of take off what kind of fruit is appearing on them and put different fruit up there. Is that That's a Lego cool. tree thing that I don't know about? Because it certainly fits in well with uh, Animal Crossing. I have not seen that before, so I think that might be new. That's yeah. a good idea, though. It is a great idea. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Did, was there a, a release time frame for this or not really? It was just more like No, this it was coming. just more more news to come. Cool. So I assume At least it's probably, in what I saw. Yeah. Probably next year then, but still. Yeah. I want to get all of those little characters, Tom Nook and <laughs> Isabel. Yeah. I need to have all of those little <laughs> Animal Crossing people. I think I, I want them. It was a first look, so we're sure to yeah. get to yeah i think i want those more than i want those amiibo cards i want the little lego people to put around my computer (laughs) they look amazing they're so cute um what else have we got oh and speaking of animal crossing the there's an animal crossing switch light model right that's Uh, two of them actually Mm -hmm. i wonder if if they're repurposing maybe some older stock because i think the colors are the usual colors just Mm -hmm. with graphics on them but there's a the elizabeth uh, Isabel Aloha edition and then the Timmy and Tommy Aloha edition. <laughs> That's cool. It's yeah. one, interesting, the switch light. I wonder, I'd like to know maybe in a future episode uh, what what the models, the differences are between the models in terms of sales. Surely the switch light is the least of the three. I think they might break it down on mm. uh, or something like um yeah, I'm sure the light is because um, it came out, you know, quite a bit later. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lower model, but it definitely has a following. I know at least one of our contributors only games right. on the light because they like the, you know, the the switch is a little, it's a handful coming off the 3ds, so mm. I can see the feel mm. of liking something smaller and that probably feels sturdier too because you don't have, you know, you can't remove the Joy Cons, so. Yeah, true. That's a good point. Hmm. I've never actually I've played some a good light. models, you know, throughout the years too. So, yeah, I'm so tempted to get the OLED, the Mario one. I just think that looks so cool. But yeah, as soon I don't as know. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Switch to here we come. <laughs> well, speaking of 3ds that you just mentioned, we also got news during the week that the 3ds and Wii U online was shutting down next year. I think is it April. Uh. Yeah, it was, it was spring, March or April. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, right. So after we've already closed the eShop, uh, that was was that earlier this year, wasn't it, I think? And yeah, now, mm, yeah. So now they're just taking online play away, I suppose. Is that what that means? You saw it coming, but already mm-hmm. like fans are, are kind of working on like workarounds, I guess. So mm-hmm. that's the nice thing about, about a devoted fan base with the time and the knowledge to mm. to do this, try to preserve the experiences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I guess it's, like you said, not a surprise. We kind of saw it coming. Um, but it just puts another, it, it just makes us think again, oh, that's the end of that system. But it, the system has been over for a while. We've had the switch for six years now. So, yeah, yeah. who knows? Yeah. I mean, I do you know what I meant to say about PAX? One thing I forgot to do was take my 3DS to see if anyone else was wandering, wandering around. <laughs> and does that mean next year if I go to PAX, they won't have, like, you won't be able to meet people on I 3DS? I think they said the Street Pass would still work because it just uses the, uh, um, uh, 
Now I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I read that that would still work though. Oh, it's like Bluetooth or something or local wireless. It's not because even like I have an old DS game that plays off like Wi-Fi signals and that still works. So mm, okay, yeah. You I just even may not be able to use anyone you find for any of the uh, various games. I would assume mm. that would shut down. You may get them on your system, but then you can't take them into the haunted house with you. Or yeah, yeah, mm. that makes sense. Yeah, so that's a bit of a shame. And I, <laughs> yeah, I just can't believe I forgot to take it. I had it charged and everything. You know, when you go to the airport, you're like, eh, I feel like I've forgotten something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst thing to forget, I suppose. But it would have been nice. I just wanted to tell you yes or no if I met anybody, because I know yep. you had that experience, Kirk, where you yep. were trying to I meet people. The yeah. one guy from the UK when I was in yep. the airport in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now we'll never know. So, oh, well, I'll try again next year, I guess. Uh, and the other piece of news, which we kind of already touched on, was that Detective Pikachu Returns is out now. So watch for our upcoming review. Very excited about this game. Trevor, are you going to be playing it as well? Did you say or not? I, I don't know. Well, as you know, I'm reviewing a, um, a fairly big game right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends on how quickly I get that done and how much, uh, you know, because I really want Mario Wonder and... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I got to look at, I still haven't gotten Pikmin 4, so. <laughs> You've got a backlog and a half, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. it's like I got to pick and choose my, my gaming mm. funds. Yeah. Well, Pikmin, I'm sorry, uh, Pikachu, I guess, and Pikmin could wait till sort of holiday season. Maybe if you've got some downtime, they might I be good I guess it depends play. how good your review is, Gemma. If you end up True. Like, really loving it, I'll be like, ah, oh, I need it. So. <laughs> I'll be the deciding factor. Well. It might be. No, no pressure. <laughs> Yes. Well, yes. Look forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to that very much. So anyway, I guess that just about wraps things up for this week. Did you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off? No. Nope. Um, I just said one. I hope with now that the uh, like the online features with 3DS and Wii U, I'd love to see the little badge arcade come over to Switch at this late in its mm-hmm. life cycle. Maybe it's not realistic, but I hope mm-hmm. that the new Switch lets us, you know, decorate our screens or have some kind of personality in in the menus and the yeah. things like that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I love all that sort of thing. Hopefully. Well, time will tell. I mean, people, well, I didn't hear too much about the Switch 2 at Parks. But some people kind of mentioned it, but I think it's still still a rumor at this point. And, uh, you know, it'll happen eventually. And when it does, we'll know more. But until then, we'll keep playing our Switch uh, with dedication. <laughs> But thank you both so much for joining me this week and thank you listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on on the show and what you'd like to hear from us every week. We're launching on Mondays and uh, you can join us over on YouTube or any of the podcasting channels. Also, uh, if you want to support us, we are over on patreon.com slash Nintendo. The next edition, uh, sorry, the next edition of our magazine, our physical magazine is being produced right now and We are covering Mario Wonder for that one. So look forward to that. And until next week, thank you and game on, everybody. Bye.